Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. How is it going this fine Sunday summer evening? Mm, I wish I could enjoy it, but we are blanketed in smoke. <laughs> no, what? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The fires. Now, we have not in Quebec City. We have not had any of the smoke that so many communities have had, um, even with northern Quebec forest fires. But this weekend has been the first time that we've been blanketed. And I'm not sure if you heard, but Montreal has the worst air quality of any city in the world today. No, I have not heard that. I have not been taking a look at the news today, but that is awful. Uh, I hope. Do you have N95s? Um, yeah, no, actually, I'm not sure we do it for the kids anymore. Uh, and then what the weather environment Canada says that N95s are good for particles, but they don't do anything for the gas, um, poisons that are in the air, which I guess makes sense. So they're like, nah, just stay inside. If you've got lung illness, which someone in my family does, <laughs> so we've been inside all day, but we do have air filters and it hasn't been so hot that we've been able to keep all the windows closed. So that's all right. Oh, God, that is just awful. And for anyone out there who has not experienced what this is like, it is absolutely terrible. And yeah, I'm hearing you about uh, the gases, but even those particles, like the feeling of it in your throat. True. If you've not experienced like this, like ash sort of fallout from um, wildfires, it feels like your throat is on fire. You can feel it in the air. You can taste it. And sometimes it's like... You know, when it happens down here, it feels like it's snowing mm. ash. It's really, really terrible. And those are just, of course, the immediate effects. And uh, as you're referencing, there are more effects than that. And gosh, like the the massive public health issue uh, that these fires continue to be, it is really impossible to overstate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now we're lucky there's no ash in the air. Thank God, because I have experienced that. Um, but you know, the sun is a big flame ball. <laughs> it looks like, as everyone says, apocalyptic and scary. And uh, and I mean, you know, most of the, of the out of control fires are happening in northern parts of Quebec and Ontario. That's where the, our smoke is coming from. Of course, um, the, one of the fires, the Donny Creek fire in British Columbia that's raging right now is now the biggest fire in British Columbia's history. And I know this past week, if folks listened to the Daily News headlines, there were evacuation orders in Fort Albany and Kachesuan in northeastern Ontario. Uh, it's um, it's really bad, and it really makes you want to put some oil executives inside of a cannon and shoot them off into forest fire country, for example. Cops. Not, that was not serious. Not you being uncharitable towards billionaires in a week like this, Nora. <laughs> How dare you? They're people, too. Been, They're human beings. It's been so hard. It's been so hard for those billionaires this week, eh? Oh, my God. Well, before we get there... Um, Let's talk about some gratitude, shall we? Yes, yes. Thank you so much to everybody that shares the podcast. As always, we rely on you, as you all know. And so thank you so much. And I've been seeing, Sandy, um, some kind of funny uh, things were posted on the Instagram and people were liking that. So that was kind of fun to see. <laughs> so thanks for engaging with us. You know, it's it's so hard with the way that platforms are changing so much right now with Facebook being completely like effectively useless, although we do see some of you folks out on Facebook. Um, 
Um, and I understand the same things very much happening over at Instagram. Uh, Twitter, at least, had a very good week, and we'll talk about that later. But it is hard for us to make sure we're still reaching you all. So anything that you can do to help share the podcast is super appreciated. And for everybody that helped fund the podcast, which is also super, super appreciated, we have to say thank you so much this week to Sarah and Elspeth for your support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, please keep up that engagement. I mean, I, you know, like if, if you follow me on social media, you know that I'm not really doing it anymore, only to just see what's happening. And so uh, to share uh, what we're doing every week on Instagram and TikTok, um, if you leave me a little something, uh, it's always really, really appreciated. I mean, Nora pretty much runs the Instagram account, but every once in a while, you know, I take one of her tweets and put it up there. And so <laughs> thanks to all of those uh, who engaged with that this week. That was really quite fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two big issues we want to talk about tonight. And I think let's talk about the funnier one. Sandy, why were you so mean this past week to the billionaires? I, I wasn't mean to the billionaires. Oh, no? You weren't enjoying any of the online stuff? Uh, Unless, like, literally not giving a shit or thinking about it that much. <laughs> it's being mean. As, <laughs> as they perished in their, in their long, like, uh, air being lost. Oh, wait. That's not what happened. They were instantly killed. And then millions of dollars were spent from multiple countries trying to recover nothing because they were instantly killed. Oh, God. Of course, we are talking about the submersible, the Ocean Gate, which is still funny to me that that is the name of the company. Uh, the Ocean oh, Gate yeah. submersible, which I guess we are told um, is, you know, like the, the greatest tra- tragedy ever. Uh, yeah, of like five people. It was five people. Yeah, right? five people. Five people. Um, all incredibly rich. One young person, which is sad, uh, who was brought there by his father, who decided to descend down into the depths of the ocean uh, to look at the Titanic, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, through a screen is what I gathered from the news. Um, so, and uh, yeah, uh, the the construction of this thing uh, wasn't constructed really well, which uh, everybody who was apparently on it knew, and um, they perished because of bad construction. And I... I've also seen some news that was like, we don't know exactly what happened, but I don't know. It seems pretty clear to me that that was the issue. So, I mean, maybe (laughs) I'm wrong, but (laughs) seems like it was that. And they perished. And a lot, I mean, gosh, there were, there were op-eds that were published in like reputable newspapers about how, you know, we shouldn't be criticizing the billionaires are making fun as people are dying because, my God, mm-hmm. billionaires are people, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I saw that in the uh, L.A. Times uh, specifically. There was one article that was just awesome about how um, it's not cool to make fun of this. Now, there is so much that has been said about this whole scenario, and I don't want to rehash the the, the the Nintendo controller that they were using to drive this thing or how 
um, you know, the window in it, the tiny window that does exist on it is was only uh, built to withstand pressure at 1500 meters under the surface, not 4000 meters under the surface. I mean, all that stuff is just unbelievable. And every video that comes out of the uh, CEO and the pilot who perished uh, on the uh, on the on the doomed voyage is is it's crazy. I mean, it's like you're like, you can't believe that this guy is like, ah, nothing's gonna kill us. It's like, okay, <laughs> I guess. Safety is a waste of money. I mean, God, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this but this is a story that does deserve um, a couple of critical takes. And so we should do the critical takes. But I just want to say, first of all, though, Sandy, Black Twitter was at the top of its game in making fun of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. As 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 we do, as we are known to do, you know, it's like uh, something that is tragic and macabre. Bring it uh, to some black people to get some laughs. That, <laughs> that is what you will get. <laughs> yeah, the memes were were very great, and um, and then of course uh, a lot of them had some of the uh, of the criticism in it too. Like what the what the hell are you folks thinking? You know, there. From I, I'm I'm very much of the opinion that the ocean is a place that we shouldn't necessarily see. I kind of have the same opinion of space. That it's like, like we, we have no business in the ocean. And if the ocean wants to fuck with us, that's going to do that. That's what the ocean does. It's the it's the ocean. And, um, you know, because it's been in the news a lot, my my kids were asking questions about the submersible. And I was like, well, let's look at uh, submersibles and let's look at how deep the Titanic was compared to where other submersibles are going. And, you know, the lowest submersible, which would go into Mariana Trench, which is like 11,000 um, meters below the surface. I mean, just like a, a colossal amount of, of, of distance. That's like something like 36,000 feet. So if you think of it from a perspective of being in an airplane, it's like being uh, in, a, in, a, in a jet for a very long flight. You'd be at 36,000 feet, right? And the submersibles that they – that were actually getting to the bottom of the ocean for like research purposes, like they like had like – um, you know, they looked solid. <laughs> they had like um, rivets on the outside of the, of, the, of the casings and looked like they might not blow the fuck apart <laughs> if they went down to the to the bottom of the ocean. That's that's not what the uh, Ocean Gate looked like. And and yes, that also is a name that is my partner was like, wow, I can't believe that they called the whole thing Ocean Gate. And I was like, no, that's the name of the company. It's <laughs> like. Oh <laughs> god damn that. <laughs> but you know that is very funny. But the way that the media dealt with this, it was pretty fascinating because it was like sorry, so this is a ship that like often got lost and then but that never made the news. And so the second that it made the news was like um big red flag they're, they're done. They've been they've been incinerated by the ocean. Like they're they don't exist anymore, right? Like that is pretty freaking clear. But still, you can go to Global News right now and there's an article that says Titanic sub what could have caused the implosion oh, of what, the vessel. What? It's like Sandy, what could oh, have done that? What <laughs> could have done that? It? Was it a big oh octopus? You know, I <laughs> was it seven mermen? With clubs, <laughs> I, I, I feel like you know such questions are only asked in these types of situations because like there's this assumption that if you are a billionaire or connected to billionaire or have that much money, there's some sort of intelligence that surrounds you. Like there's like intelligence that's a part <laughs> of what you do, and like yeah, I guess a level of intelligence to you know have this company construct a submersible at all 
but it doesn't mean that it has to be the type of intelligence that would save you from making the dumb decisions of, you know, like refusing to put communications on this thing because you want to save money or, you know, uh, (laughs) making sure that you're using the right materials on it because you don't want to implode because the fucking ocean is like, you know, the pressure shift. It's very heavy (laughs) would fucking kill you. I don't know. (laughs) It's like these people not heard of the bends. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no kidding, eh? It's not. Oh, wow. So anyway, so so they're blown apart. They don't exist anymore. And then what does the, 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 the global um, northern ocean powers of this part of the world do? They pour a lot of money in to try and recover this thing. Absolutely stunning. What was Absolutely that? Stunning. Well, what was okay, that? so what is that? Like, there is something, like, there that I that I think is... Um, explorable. I, many people have already pointed out, like, <laughs> who, the most... Whoa, Sandy, too soon. <laughs> explorable? <laughs> shh, 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 Don't point it out. Just let it live. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, one of those things, uh, you know, many people have already pointed out, obviously, you know, like, the, the way that we um, uh, pay attention to news that is about uh, people who are of import and value. Um, so billionaires are assumed to be of import and value and uh, people who are not. And of course, many people rightly pointed out that there was uh, the sinking of a ship with many, many uh, hundreds of refugees on it um, that, that sunk. Almost 700. 700 uh, that, w- that were that did not receive uh, the same sort of attention or coverage. And of course, you know, if you're paying attention, that is happening all too often. Um, And so it's not just in the same week. It's like that is happening all the fucking time. And so, yes, that is one of the issues. The other issue, though, I think that's important to think about is uh, the, the, the way that the news is implicated in all of this. Because another reason why people were, were so focused on this was because it played out like a fucking movie mm-hmm. in the news, on our television screens, in social media. Like they, it, they, they walked us through this story as though literally someone had written it. It's like, okay, it is missing. And now, okay, you know, like, uh, let's, let's get a play by play of who these people are, what they were trying to do, um, what their value is to, to the, to humans. And oh my God, they're explorers. You know, they, they, they're trying to go out into the unknown and oh man, there were noises coming from the ocean, noises from the ocean. Ah, there's a chance here. And we've done the calculations now. They have this many hours left. Here's the countdown. It's like it literally played out as though it was an action movie that somebody had written only for us to find out later that they probably imploded immediately after the communications were lost with the submersible. And then, you know, as part of that, I am certain that the countries who uh, dedicated millions and millions of dollars of resources were also impacted by the way that the news uh, was telling this story. It's like, okay, so, and, and now the, the next update we're hearing is that France has sent um, resources, Canada has sent resources, the U.S. Coast Guard has sent resources, everybody looking uh, for a chance that these people might survive. 
And that's not to say that the stories of refugees or anyone else um, who might be going through some sort of tragedy like this, that, that they don't have stories that are connected to who they are, that they don't have um, valuable uh, stories about their lives that we might be interested in. It's that um, the news doesn't care about those people. And there's this assumption that these people, their stories are inherently valuable. And by choosing to tell those stories in the way that they did, that is also part of the reason why so many people were glued to this story. And it does have an impact on the resources that were then used, uh, wasted um, uh, in the search for Mm -hmm. these folks. Yeah, no, absolutely. I saw there was a really interesting little video that Joshua Hind made. I don't know if if you know him on Twitter, but uh, the video was looking at the front page of the Toronto Star and looking at where each of the profiles of the highest highest ranking uh, mayoral candidates, uh, where they were located on, on, on A1, on the front page of the Toronto Star. And what was interesting was in the week of the profiles being featured, two of the days, the big news on the front page of the Toronto Star was this submarine. I mean, I know it's not a submarine. I'm just like insulting the story even more by calling it a submarine. (laughs) Uh, Two days in the city of Toronto. Like what exactly is the connection between this and the city of Toronto? You can make direct connections between a migrant ship and and a tragedy on the Mediterranean or a tragedy anywhere. I mean, like, you know, folks listening to the Daily News knows that there's been mass deaths in a whole bunch of different terrible situations in the world in the past week, like uh, 41 people, 41 women who died in a in a prison in Honduras after a, a, attacks and fires were started. 31 people were died in, died in an explosion in, in a Chinese restaurant because of liquefied petroleum that was being used for the barbecues. I mean, tragedies happening all the time. And you can come up with better connections than what these five people had to Canada. And here is the newspaper of the biggest city in in the country a a week before their their election uh, has decided to put it on the front page. Like it's, it is spectacle and it is a distraction. And all of this is to tell us, as you say, that these people are worth our time and they're worth uh, our sympathy and they're worth our prayers or our thoughts or whatever. Uh, And at the same time, you know, uh, a 16th person dies uh, related to the crash in Carberry and it's barely in the news anymore. I mean, barely at all. I, I barely, 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 barely saw uh, the the reports of the names finally being released of all the victims, which happened on Thursday. So, you know, as many people pointed out, this is par for the course. This is super normal. This is how it happens all the time. But just because it's normal, you know, doesn't mean that we shouldn't still talk about it and we shouldn't still identify what the problems are with this whole kind of construction of who is important and who is not compo- who is not important in our society. And uh, and uh, don't get surprised when most people react with uh, jokes. Yeah, I, I mean, God, you it, look. I I get the the weird like social media impulse to like prove that you're better than other people over and over and over again in whatever way we're doing it this week. <laughs> if we're doing it this week by uh, trying to pretend that we have some sort of empathy, more empathy for 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 folks than other people do by by saying we understand that this is a human issue and a human problem. I mean. <sighs> Sure. But like, let's, you know, think a little bit more deeply about this. Like, think about any of the issues that have come up in the last two, three, four, five, how many ever years of fucking weird tragedies that have been consuming the earth um, for the last little bit. 
And I mean, gosh, you'll find humor in all of them. And you'll find like the contradictions that that allow you to point out humor to to make light of something living there. And there are so many in this case, so many. It's like, why would you not? Why would you not point those things out? And I mean, Mm -hmm. even, you know, beyond the the fact that like, gosh, it's like objectively funny, like even even beyond um, that fact, I think, you know, there's a way that (laughs) there's this like, idea online, you know, billionaires are people too. And won't someone think of the billionaires? And it's like, yeah, someone will think of the billionaires, the fucking billionaires. They are thinking of themselves. They're thinking of themselves so much that they are billionaires in order to be a billionaire, to have that much money. Okay. Not millionaire, billionaire. Okay. (laughs) Like that is an obscene amount of money, like an un-understandable amount of money. You have to, Mm -hmm. you must be an exploitative person and turn your head at the destruction of other human beings. You absolutely must have contempt for the people that you are exploiting, or at least indifference to the death that your, your raising of money and continuing to raise money causes. Like, come the fuck on. Like these people do not deserve your second thought and your sympathy. And if you are, you know, understand that and are cool with that, like they don't deserve my sympathy and yet I will still give them, give it to them. Like, cool. What would Jesus do? I get it. But like, this does not need to be so much of the discourse. Like the contempt is there. Like just, just recall the conversations that, that we have about people who are literally struggling in our society with um, with housing insecurity and the contempt for which those people who also each have stories are discussed. The assumption in those conversations uh, that occur in our mainstream media, that occur in social media as well, the assumption that these people are not worth a second thought. Like, why didn't the discussion about, oh, my God, these are people to come up when we were talking about evictions that were happening all over North America uh, in parks from people who uh, had set up encampments because they didn't have places to live? It's going to come up around billionaires. Come on, y'all. We could do better than that. We could absolutely do better than that. Hmm. Yeah, I saw one TikTok video that uh, crunched the numbers and figured out that some of the net worth that's uh, past a billion dollars would have the equivalent of 1.7 lattes spent on that $250,000 ticket to go down in the submersible. So I think that the point of like billions being a huge number is really, really important and something that we we, we can for, we forget, I think, very easily because billions gets thrown around a lot. But um but yeah, I, I think that this is such a great political test for people to see where they are. And um, and I'm you know very happy to see that Twitter came alive with where I think the majority of people are, which is that that level of wealth is obscene and no one should have it and their money can save them. Well, I mean, how, how quickly can you spend money? Because, you know, when the implosion starts to happen, like it's, <laughs> it's kind of hard to quickly spend that money for the... 
for the rescue. <laughs> you can't. I know it was like a sixtieth of a second. It's okay. They didn't even have to. They didn't even have to try to spend their own money. Countries were happy to spend millions on their behalf. Oh my god! I know. I know. I have to say though, all of this made me discover uh, something that I now have stuck in my mind, and it's going to haunt me. I think for the rest of my existence. Can you imagine, like, existing in a world where you could never drop your keys because they would just go to the bottom of the ocean and you're a whale and you can't swim down that far? Sorry, what? (laughs) What are you saying? (laughs) What are you imagining? Like, whales can't swim down to the bottom of the ocean, and so their entire existence, they could never drop anything. What are whales holding, Nora? I I mean, I I guess that's probably why they don't hold stuff, but I just, I just, this has been... I mean, yeah, I feel like their existence would, uh, you know, preclude having keys to drop. Yeah, but I just, I I need to share that because it's, it's something I've been thinking about nonstop. Like they just, they can never (laughs) drop anything ever. Why are you thinking about this nonstop? Because their, their entire existence, they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't drop anything. Like... It goes it goes down further than 2000 meters and it's like oh fuck my keys are gone. Like that's really stressful. I mean if it if it if it continues to submerge. Yeah. Maybe whatever it is that they drop floats. Yeah, I mean obviously they can hold stuff that floats. <laughs> well, great. So it's not that they can't drop anything. It's only, why are we talking about this? I just it's it's Nora, there was a coup in Russia this week. What the fuck are you concerned about? <laughs> I guess maybe maybe I'm more uh I'm I'm more afflicted in the way that the Canadian media is than I than I care to admit. That I, I'm 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 preoccupied by things that don't matter and aren't real. <laughs> Russia. Mm, like the keys. Like yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, Sandy, do you hear there was a coup in Russia? There was a I coup. did hear that. <laughs> In Russia. <laughs> I did hear that there was a coup in Russia. And it's just like at this point, like all of the um, the uh, the stories that, that just seem like uh, monumentally world shifting. It's just like, oh, huh, cool. What's happening next? So I heard it. I read about it. I consumed everything that I could about it. And then like I woke up, avoided the news for most of the day. And then as as we started to record, I opened up the the freaking news places that I open and it's over the coup the coup it happened yeah it's done uh, yeah yeah Russia's been cooed and then uncooed <laughs> like I could I mean it's a I didn't realize that this entire episode was going to be a journalism episode but could you maybe could you maybe explain to me. I mean, in the first instance, like, was it a coup? Do we really know? I mean, I I know that CTV got rid of all of its international bureaus, pretty much. We talked about that last week, a couple of weeks ago. Um, is there anyone that's there who can tell us what's actually going on? Ooh, any Canadians, you mean? Yeah, from a Canadian perspective, of course. Well, I don't think so. I know that the Canadian journalists, some Canadian journalists who are still there had a hard time staying in Russia. And this is, of course, related to, you know, the war. So whether or not Canada has tried to keep journalists there, I think in the case of Russia, Russia has probably been more aggressively saying get out, uh, which also kind of makes sense considering how pro-Ukraine Canada has been. And then, of course, by nature of how these things work, it gets, you know, the brush is then painted onto our journalists. But yeah, I, th- th- this whole Russian coup thing, I have to say I wasn't paying attention to it. Um 
I did see a lot of Twitter uh, buzz around it. And what I was so interested in was how the most official looking stories of what was going on, the stuff that I saw people sharing the most and engaging with the most, all came from verified accounts, which if that was a year ago. Oh, the best accounts. The best the, accounts. The, the best accounts. <laughs> yeah. If that had been a year ago, I wouldn't have even noticed. I'm like, yeah, of course. It's like, you know, this journalist, not journalist, they're all verified accounts. But now that's a bit weird. <laughs> now it's the, 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 that you have this like uh, pay to play uh, placing people into these positions that then gives them an air of authority. And um, and what I had seen was like, oh, my gosh, the, 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 the Wagner group is uh, staging a coup, has invaded Moscow and is trying to topple Putin. And as you say, not 24 hours later, uh, the Associated Press is reporting that uh, that the coup's over. <laughs> I mean, the thing that I... F- like, sh- shortest coup ever. <laughs> well, January 6th. Okay, well, that's an interesting thing. Like, if... Yeah, w- is this a coup, like... Uh, uh, like a like they're literally taking over government and they're going to now set up a provisional government or is this like January 6th which was let's be fucking serious not a coup <laughs> like it was like it was civil disobedience it was a protest it was fucked up it was condemnable it was disgusting it was reprehensible but it wasn't a coup like my god and the way that that message in western media became well January 6th with a coup now all of a sudden I'm like not sure if we know what a coup is anymore <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it, it is like indicative of all the words that become flattened uh, in uh, the social media age. But I mean, gosh, what I had heard before I went to bed last night was that the Wagner group had um, perhaps maybe been attacked by Russian forces, perhaps like I, I don't uh, that seemed unclear to me. And then uh, from the different types of news that I was uh, consuming and then that they had uh, turned on Putin and were marching on Moscow and that Putin had potentially fled Moscow um, and th- there was like a potential for civil war like that. that is what I was reading before I went to bed. And then this morning it was like it was all over, which just leads me to ask the question. What actually happened and what Mm -hmm. news can we actually trust in a situation like this where, uh, quite frankly, uh, there could be a powder keg at any time um, in in Mm -hmm. in this conflict that has uh, ballooned into other conflicts, multiple conflicts. And of course, when a population um, uh, there is potential for uh, the military to be upset at. Uh, at the the rulers in Russia, there's potential for the population to be upset. Of course, we would need to understand what is actually happening in the cases that that came up, because as we know, everything, um, these types of world conflicts, they don't um, stay contained within, um, you know, a, a particular border. They impact us all somehow, and so it's important for us to be able to have access to to, to good information. Because should our own governments have to um, make some sort of um, moves or respond in some way, we should understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I mean, gosh, this, this weekend, it, it, I, like I, to the, to right now, I still don't really understand how to interpret what just happened and like, where do I turn to, to find out? 
Yeah, no, me, me neither. Me neither. So um, I am going to be citing uh, Global News, which is rerunning the Associated Press copy. And so Associated Press, of course, international news service that is biased towards the West and is pretty much the best that we can expect <laughs> in, in mainstream media. So um, their reporting says that the head of the Wagner Group, a guy called Prigozhin, called for an armed rebellion aimed at ousting Russia's defense minister. Okay, so I mean, that seems pretty intense that the that this uh, mercenary group that we know has been operating in different uh, conflicts around the world is now calling for the ouster of the head of the of the military in Russia. Um, him, uh, Prigozhin and his fighters appeared to seize control of the Russian military headquarters in Rostov-on-Don. So this is also very interesting, appeared to uh, seize control. Um, but I mean... 24 hours later, it's over. So I assume they no longer have control because Prigozhin has been sent to Belarus, which I'll get to in a sec. And okay, so they control the Russian military headquarters in Rostov-on-Don. That oversees fighting in Ukraine, which is an interesting tack on to this, which is like, well, if, if it's military headquarters, I mean, of of course, that's it would. Of course, it would. Okay, so they uh, advance towards Moscow, Mo- largely unhindered. They downed several helicopters, uh, according to Russian media, though the Minister of Defense did not comment on this, and that the whole thing was stopped when a deal. Uh, was hatched uh, with Belarus, Belarus being a country that has been very, very much in lockstep with Russia in relation in relation to the uh, to the invasion of, of Ukraine. Um, they cut a deal to send Prigozhin to Belarus and all charges will be dropped, according to the Kremlin. So, I mean, that is really, and, and the Associated Press makes this point too, but I mean, I think anybody with half a mind that's been watching all this stuff is going to think it too. That seems really weird considering the, how low the bar has been for people getting um, arrested for criticizing Russia and for criticizing what they're doing in Ukraine. And now here's someone that's literally trying to overthrow the military leadership and he's sent to Belarus with no charges. You know, this is where it's like, yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> that sorry, that's supposed to make sense. Like I don't think that the journalists writing this are like, oh, here we're answering all your questions. But that that leaves me with many, many more questions than I had before I started reading this. Yeah, I I mean, like, fuck, I I don't know what more to say because I I remain so thoroughly confused. And the thing that um that I that I like my big takeaway is that gosh, uh, like. Uh, it seems like more now, now more than ever, international news is uh, is so important for us to know and understand. And uh, it seems like a very bad decision for anyone who cares about news, who cares about understanding what is going on politically in our world and how that can impact us um, wherever we are. It seems like a really bad decision to... Um, to take money out of international bureaus and to take money out of international news. Because the more and more that that uh, is being done, the more and more 
um, news outlets are relying on a smaller number of people to make decisions about what is happening, to analyze what is happening, and to put out news from from their particular perspective. Uh, and of course, as we all know, there's bias in all news. Um, and so if we don't have multiple perspectives to turn to, to look at, um, to try to understand for ourselves a story, uh, then, you know, it's as good as propaganda. Like why we need to have those, um, those multiple perspectives. And of course, as we spoke about quite recently, corporate media, certainly in Canada, and this is happening in the United States too, is increasingly deciding that uh, international bureaus are not not worth it for them. It's not part of um, their plans for for making profit. It's it's an expenditure. News, you know, that's a service that isn't going to make shareholders particularly happy because it's it, it doesn't increase profit margins. But it's a service that we still need. And in that reality, with with this going on, it's like I mean, I, I have um, yes questions about this situation in Russia, but I also have questions about what are we going to do about the news, um, you know, in, a, in our own backyard? Like, how are we going to shift the way um, that the news that we go to and rely on and shift how we fund the news uh, to, to make sure that we have the information that we need? Yes, yes, yes. Now, and I think that this this situation in Russia is such a good example of what we lose when we don't have any of that stuff, because it isn't just that this is a mercenary group trying to take over the Russian army. Like, that's obviously not just what's happening here. And if you read in the story, which is quite long in the Associated Press, it gets quite like down in it, that the Wagner group is actually holding territory in Ukraine, And they have accused Russia of attacking them in Ukraine over territory that the Wagner group holds. So then that's very interesting because all of a sudden then this shifts not just from being a Russian thing, but it's also then happening on Ukrainian soil. And so what access do we have as Canadians who are all in uh, supporting Ukraine to, to find out what's going on? Not to, not to mention like a lot of the other things that people might have questions about, like, you know, what are the regional differences? Where are people at? What's where like understanding uh, safety in relation to the front and then further away from the front? What's safety like in the rest of Ukraine? Like we, we just don't have that. And we mentioned on the podcast before. Before, you know, there's a, a Ukrainian journalist who's been working with the Globe and Mail who's had trouble having his press credentials um, renewed, which is not too surprising considering like now we're a year and a bit into this and Ukraine is changing its, pers- its, its approach to who's covering and what they're what they're writing about. But we we start with in a disadvantage when we don't have these kinds of international uh, eyes out there anymore. And so, you know, the Globe and Mail has consistently had people in Ukraine. I don't know if like since the invasion, I'm not sure that there's been any other consistent presence of of a news organization in Ukraine or in a neighboring country that could cover Ukraine. Uh, You've already, already mentioned, of course, CTV. Um, closing its international bureaus. And <laughs> I mean, I think international news is really important. Um, with the it, Since I've been doing the daily news, people have been most receptive to the international news that I mentioned, the stuff that they cannot hear, they're not getting in, in Canadian media. And I'm just pulling this off of other international sites. I mean, it's not hard, but we lose so much understanding the world when we don't have a Canadian perspective translating it to a Canadian audience, right? That's why you have international news. That's the reason it exists. But at the same time, so you've got CTV, which is owned by Bell. Last week, Sandy, I don't know if you caught this in the news, but 
Bell also wants to get out of local news as well. Oh, they're just done with news? I don't understand. What do you mean? So they made an application to the CRTC. It was filed on June 14th. And they've asked the CRTC to drop requirements for Bell to spend money on local news. They also don't want to be held to the number of hours per week that stations are required to broadcast locally reflective news in major and smaller markets. This is coming from Sammy Oud from the Canadian Press. So, I mean, it's one thing for, for, for these companies to be like, well, London, Bogota, Delhi, who cares? It's not Canada. But I mean... <laughs> I mean, that and local news, like, what does that lead us? Where does that leave us? What are we left with? That seems kind of like self-immolation put to 11. Well, well, unless they're not understanding themselves as news organizations and then are instead entertainment organizations, which is what it, it clearly is spelling out to me. Like, that's what that that means. But well, I'm curious. Um, so they're in front of the CRTC. They're making this argument. What was their argument? Or they're making this ask, what was their argument? Um, they're literally saying it's financial pressures. <laughs> okay. But like... Uh, yeah, all finan- I mean, Sorry, the, the requirement for them to do that was... Ne- like it, the, the requirement for them to do that is, is because um, this is something the CRTC has determined. Like if you're going to be able to broadcast to Canadians, you have to return something back to us. We're going to allow you to make this much money off of Canadians and you have to return something. It's not about money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really important point, right? Like, like, like we forget this, but the airwaves in this country are public. They are owned by us, whether that's radio airwaves or television airwaves. Those are our airwaves. And the CRTC is there to make sure that if someone is given Uh, access to the airwaves, if they're given a television station or a radio station, that we actually get to hear local content. And it's not like we're talking about a lot of local content. They are asking for English language television stations to be exempt from having to broadcast 14 hours of local programming per week. And that tends to then be the local news, right? I mean, 14 hours a week? Like, sorry, you just want to plow us over with American fucking television shows? Like, what is the point of that? Not to mention, what is the point of that in the new media world where no one's watching TV anymore? Yeah, um, that, I mean, that's just, like, uh, really bold, actually. Yeah. (laughs) To do that. And, um, yeah, I guess it's it's bold. And then you think like, I mean, where was this broadcast? Like, was this news that they had done this in multiple outlets? Because it should be <laughs> news that that's something that they're asking for. Yeah, well, I caught it online. Um, you know, media nerds are, are certainly all over this. This is a Canadian press story. It's quite in depth about the application that Bell has filed. And, you know, because it just came out and it refers to an application that was filed 10 days ago, I suspect that the Canadian press was looking back with the knowledge that they were laying off 1,300 people at Bell Media and trying to centralize all of their news operations in Toronto. Because that's what this is, right? So if CTV goes, and, and, and not CTV, but CTV and then all of their subsidiaries areas, Nouveau, CP24, whatever, if they all start to get their newscasts broadcast out of, let's say, Toronto and Montreal in English and French, 
um, then they no longer uh, are, are are able to fulfill that local news role, right? And and we've seen some stations start to broadcast local news out of Toronto, but it's for like a completely different city. Uh, so some of the Prairie broadcasts and the Atlantic Canada broadcasts are broadcasted to Toronto by anchors in Toronto as a way to save money, but then also get around this whole like requirement to do local news. Um, and, you know, going back to the whole like Titanic thing, there's a direct connection between regulations and fucking something up. Now, will people die if uh, Bell Media is allowed this exemption and they don't have to write to do local news? I mean, people will indirectly die. Yeah, actually, they won't be blown to bits by the bottom of the ocean in a in a vessel that's not fucking made to be where it was but this is the chase of profits over regulation and it serves only the people that make the money it serves nobody else it certainly doesn't serve the people that work there especially not if you're in the vessel getting blown up and it certainly doesn't serve the people that you're supposed to serve like your audience which is why the crtc is there to force these regulations and if it wasn't for the crtc i mean we wouldn't i mean we can be very critical of the crtc and we should be critical of them but like we would barely have a canadian english language culture system at all if it wasn't for the regulations that there had to be some money spent in Canada. And these companies don't give a, a fuck because they don't they just want to make as much money as possible. Because remember that Bell Media made more than two billion dollars in profit last year. That is what's driving this demand to get rid of local programming is they want to make even more. And of course, I mean, it's it's related to the Titanic story even beyond that, because like, as we said, the way that the news is told, the way that stuff becomes a story really has the potential to like literally turn our heads, our eyeballs and and determine what it is that we focus on. And so, you know, CTV making this sort of uh, request, if it's starting to see everything as entertainment, there's a lot of ways that news has become less and less news and more and more entertainment. And I think, you know, that the submersible story is part of that. Um, and with, without a, you know, if that's a request that goes through, I can't imagine it will. But if that's the way that they're thinking about things, they're thinking about profits over everything, well, you know, it doesn't bode well for the for the the people who are providing us this service that we require that we need um, in order to understand our world. It doesn't bode well for um, our ability to 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 understand what's going on in the future because it doesn't seem like um, they're quite interested in news. And I mean, they're literally telling us that. So there we go. Worse than that, I mean, we could. We could be at a place in like 25 years where we care about billionaires, where we think they're great, where we worship them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's actually the path that we're on right now. In 25 years, <laughs> Nora. <laughs> well, fuck, I'm being optimistic. Yeah, you are. 